Today, I'm interviewing my dad. He became an orphan when he was 10 and began to work when he was 13. Through his job in an hotel in Florence, Italy, he met American tourists, and that's how his American dream began. American tourists coming to Florence. There were such a nice people that I got interest in the United States. He spoke so much about it that his colleagues drew him on a rowing boat going to America. He eventually managed to get there. You will hear about his journey. And he said to me, Ma, you want to go to America? Why don't you go to Stockholm, to the Canadian embassy? You can have a visa in three months. And his life experience. To your nine grandchildren, if you had something to say to them, what would you say? They should move and go around and see not stay stick in the same place, you know, because it's that way you learn life. If you are ready, let's listen to him. So today I'm going to interview my dad because yesterday night he was telling his story to a friend, and I realized that it can be very interesting. So, Dad, thank you very much for being here with me. Don't mention it, dear <laughs> daughter. Let's begin in 1935, when you were born, oh, in yeah. Florence, Italy. So you can tell us a little bit, some memories for, from your childhood, and how you decided one day that you wanted to leave Italy. I was an, uh, an orphan at 10 years, and I uh, was the only son. I didn't have any brothers or sisters, only some uh, aunties, uncles, and cousins. And I've been working an early age. I was about 13. I had to stop uh, my study, and I work in a hotel. During this time, I met a lot of people in different countries, but what was more interesting to meet American tourists coming to Florence. There were such a nice people that I got interest in the United States. So I went to the American Library in Florence. I looked over all the books with pictures, with a lot of cars, a lot of wealth, those beautiful homes with a swimming pool. I said to myself, I got to get there. So a few years later, I was 19. I took leave of my work in the Hotel Minerva in Florence, took a train with a friend of mine who was working with me. We got to London. And before going to London, we stopped in Paris. And in Paris, it was so beautiful, that city, that we spent almost all the money we had. When I arrived in London, I had to go and work a dishwasher. That was my work for almost a year. And uh, I met a Florentine guy, which is just come back from Sweden to London, and he said to me, Ma, you want to go to America? Yeah, sure, but it takes five years to get a visa. Well, why don't you go to Stockholm, to the Canadian embassy? 
You can have a visa in three months. No, really? Why? I'll go there. I went there. It actually was true. I make a question for an immigrant's visa, and I had it three months after. So Canada was quite near to the United States. So maybe I made it to go there. Immigrate to Canada. To explain to people at that time, I mean, for you, it was nearly impossible to get a visa from Italy. From Italy. From Italy, London, it was five years to go to Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you want to, because every country has a certain number of visa quotas, quotas. so it didn't matter if you were from the country or not. And the Swedish didn't use all their quota for the visa. Yeah, that's right. That's why it was possible for you. So when you arrived in Sweden, while you were working for your visa, then you worked there. Also dishwasher. And but I didn't even have the money for the to pay the boat, even the cheapest one. So uh, we were three guys. One went away. The other two guys. We said we work for the tree. You pay us more. And then with the help of a girl that we met in Florence, coming from Oregon, Eugene, and call it Valerie. She sent us three hundred dollars each. And with the money that we save on working, we've been able to buy a ticket on an old boat built in 1924. Can you imagine? It had at least 10 layers of paint in the cabin. We didn't have any oblow of yeah, no, window. no windows, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a terrible trip. It took nine days, nine or ten days, to cross the Atlantic. And we arrived in Halifax. I was green like a, a dollar bill. The custom people say, you sick, boy. Okay, well, what can we do for you? No, no, it was just the boat, you know. So I so then took a train. Halifax, they were very organized, no? The Canadians. Oh, yeah, very nice. I had to take the train. I had two nights and two days travel to Toronto. And the Canadian immigration gave me a place to go to a, an Italian family, gave me a job, so, and they lent me a couple of hundred dollars for the first months that I had to reimburse. And that started my adventure. I'd done a lot of different jobs, being a private chauffeur, taxi driver, a miner in a uranium mining company, up in Canada, I'd done, well, what else? Uh, sell, selling uh, in a main store. So then when you arrived in Canada, you still wanted to go to the United States. Oh, yes, yes. First of all, I went to the States. I had a customer in the hotel. He said, you driving? Are you a good driver? I said, yes. You want to come with me in Florida, be my driver? Because I don't drive anymore. Sure, sure. So he, he obtained a visa for me, and we, uh, we went to Fort Lauderdale, and it was December. Went down there, traveled the first time on an airplane. Wow, it's fantastic. 
there and I had a, to drive a big Cadillac. You know, the one with the wings in the back, <laughs> the light, little light was amazing. I thought I speak English, but not quite well. One day, this man said, you go and get me some treads and then a needle for the buttons to sew there. Oh, I said to myself, thread, needles. I went to the shop, I forgot everything. I come back to the, to the place without. So and in a moment, a week before Christmas, this man went to Mexico. He said, I'll be away for 10 or 15 days. You keep the house. Uh, that was very good because I had to be at to his, his disposal almost 24 hours a day. And he used to go and nightclubs and then to the, the betting on Pelota matches. And I had to stay there. I didn't know what time we, he would come out. So he went to Mexico and I felt all of a sudden so alone. It was summertime in Florida. You could swim in the sea. And so I got the blues. I write a letter, I leave it on the desk, close the house, and took a Greyhound bus to New York, where there were some people that I met in Florence. They were customers at the hotel. Very nice. I, I called them, oh, you, Giampiero, you there in New York? Whoa, whoa. They, they gave me uh, hospitality, but uh, even in New York. It was snowing, winter, cold, and I was dressed like uh, we used to be in Italy. It wasn't fit for it. <laughs> so from there, I went back to Toronto. I got my job back, and I keep going. So that was the end of your American dream? Uh, yeah. So you never... After you didn't have the envy to go back to the United States? No, because I got to a costume to Canada. People were nice. Uh, uh, you feel a freedom like you didn't have in Italy. Uh, it was a new country, a new possibility. I was single and I didn't have to support a family or grandparents. So when you were in Canada, in what type of community did you live? Who were your friends and uh, yeah, what was your neighborhood it's like? It's funny, I didn't want to stay with the Italian community because I want to learn English and leave the real Canada. So at the hotel, I met a Spanish fellow. We worked together and by that way, I be with the Spanish community in Toronto and not the Italian. And uh, I learned how to speak Spanish, and I still have it today, yeah. In the meantime, to learn English at the hotel, I was in the ballet service, taking the shirts and suits to be clean, to be ironed. And in the afternoon, so I used to go to the movies, and they were making three movies for a dollar. And I stayed there for the three movies over a few months, and I got it really into English. <laughs> and I was proud that I could, a couple of years after, to speak fluently and read fluently without going to school. I even lost my Italian accent. 
Yeah. It was good because you could move from a, one room to another side of the city without no problems. You can even move from province to province. It was a, a real freedom. We were a news in Europe. Even when I, I got my first passport, I was allowed to go only to England. So then to go to Canada, in Sweden you had to go to the Italian embassy to add Canada on the countries you were allowed to go to. Yeah. And then when you lived in Canada, so at a certain point you wanted to go back home. No, I got married first in 1960, and I said to myself, I'm here for four years now. Next year I can have the Canadian nationality. After what, I'm going to settle down here. I had homesick, not really of Italy, but uh, Europe. I said to myself, if I don't, I don't go back now, I'll never do it after. I'll be here for the rest of my life. Luckily, I took that decision. Because Europe was going a lot better. You couldn't find work. And then it was my dream to go there. Yeah. I realized my dream. To go to, huh? yeah. So, to America. Yeah, to America. So you were ready to go home. You wanted to go yeah. home. And I got back to my hometown, Florence. After I lived for years in Toronto, I found this town like a big village, you know. So I took the decision to go to the country of my wife, Switzerland. And there I started a new life again with her. And I took unemployment in Geneva. There I was talking really English, huh? So... <laughs> It was an Indian company, uh, an airline. I remember the manager questioning me. Oh, you're a good driver? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, he asked me, you do speak French? I said, of course, sure. I didn't know a word, few words. So I got my job. Yeah, because the, the guy couldn't check you spoke French no. because he didn't speak French. No? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. So there are... I had the chance to have an airline free ticket and 50% for my wife. A year after, we flew to New York, then New York, Toronto, and we went to visit the friends we had there. And I realized, well, he's not so bad. Huh? In the meantime, it's been the big events with Russia and the United States over Cuba. And I remember Kennedy made a speech in television. We are near the war. And I said to myself, if ever happen, we still will stay here. You know, my, my passport, my papers were still good. But nothing happened, luckily for the rest of the world. Yeah. So we the went, Russians stepped back. Yeah, yeah. So we went back to Switzerland. But you were... At that moment, you wanted to go back to Canada, no? If I had the money during the first year, I would have gone back. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I left Canada to go there, and then, and then uh, I wanted to go back. <laughs> wow. But uh, then you didn't go because you didn't have the money. Yeah. And then, and then after, you it faded away. And when I went back a few times... 
mainly, I think, about 10 years after. And I saw my friends there, uh, well acquainted with the life there, talking already about the pension and so and so. Uh, well, I said, I think I've done well in Europe too, as well as in Canada. I'm glad, I'm happy. But, and you didn't regret... Not I didn't regret back, nothing. Not going back to Canada. No, no. I don't regret nothing that did happen. And you didn't regret at the end not living in Italy neither. I like I love Italy. Of course it's my homeland. Se potessi avere mille lire al mese senza esagerare sarei certo di trovare tutta la felicità. When you leave your youth, it stays with you for forever, you know. That's It's in your heart, yeah. in your culture. But I like to go there for holiday. Switzerland is a wonderful country. Neat, everything is working. Hospitals, schools, university, roads, politics. There is never a problem. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I changed so many jobs, address, that I think I was a nomad. I had just a little suitcase is enough. <laughs> uh, you say you left your homeland, but it still it stays with you oh, all yeah. your life. So oh, what yeah. would you say is very Italian in you? I can describe myself. It's the other people who see me. I don't know. I really don't know. Each country, each people has its own sources. Mainly in Europe, they are so different from one country to another. Here in the States, from east to west, is almost the same everywhere. Uptown, downtown, the plain, mountains, but still the same language, the same habits, the same way of living. And in Europe, it's so different. In Switzerland, we are in the center of Europe. You go from one side, you make 50 miles, you are in France. The other side, you make 100 miles only, eh? <laughs> to Italy. And then to Germany, uh, 150 miles. Oh, it's so marvelous. The different history of the country, the different language, the different way of eating. <laughs> Uh, the different way of seeing things is so rich. Here you have immigrants all over the time that build the nation, but it's a kind of melting pot. In Europe, there's still the individuality of each country. Well, now they consider themselves European, and it's good, but it's still in the people Those roots of your country, where you were born, where you grown up, and really is so rich of lessons because if you don't have a past, you can have a future. So I you, think. you love diversity. Oh, yeah. Oh, so it's so wonderful. At least it's not monotone. No. What do you say? Yeah. You would say it's, it's not boring. It's not boring, yeah, because something. You know, it's so different. So, so um, to sum it up, to end the interview, I mean, if you have to think of all your grandchildren, 
nine so if grandchildren. Had, yeah, to your nine grandchildren, if you had something to say to them, what would you say? About, you know, the, all these experiences you did in your life, all these different jobs, all these countries, the people you met. They should move, move and go around and see, not stay, stick in the same place, you know, because it's that way you learn life. That was a beautiful ending. Oh, yes. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dora. <laughs> yeah.